2019, the author Eve Fairbanks published an essay in the Huffington Post called Behold, the Millennial Nuns, about how young women, women my age, were turning away from the world and towards the church in unprecedented numbers, and how curiously they seemed to be drifting towards increasingly conservative and restrictive orders. Some did not just want to do good work and devote their lives to God. They wanted order and discipline. They wanted to wear a habit, not their own clothes. The uniforms were important. They wanted to be told what to do. They wanted to be obedient both to God and the church. Constrained is the word used. Fairbanks writes, Catholicism seems especially out of step with contemporary American life. Protestantism easily accommodates rock bands and a personable, almost life coach-esque Jesus, but even liberal Catholic communities require submission to a gold-crowned pope who theologically can't be wrong and who is chosen by a hundred odd men, only men, who undergo a ritual of eating the literal body of Christ embedded on a cracker. Still, women, young women, wanted this desperately. I think the perception is that this is some kind of self-obliteration, that these women want order that erases the need for any choice, any of the complications of asserting the self to witnesses. This seems like a reasonable survival strategy to me. The world is exhausting and cruel and filled with thousands and thousands of tiny decisions that stack up into something that make moving even a step forward impossible even when the end something or the whole somethings are impossible to see. If someone tells me where to sleep and what to wear when I wake up, then sits me down in a room full of people eating the same breakfast and then sends me into the world to do good work. Surely that would be easier. If a life is to be devoted to something as complicated as God, why not eliminate the tedium of identity? There is a line that has stuck with me since first reading this article. One of the central figures in the story, who has chosen to devote herself to God, Tori, comes home from school one day and sits opposite her mother at the kitchen table. She points to her heart and says, I hurt. I am forced to do what I'm not good at every day. Later, Tori will hear the voice of God. Fairbanks asks her, what does it sound like? And Tori answers, it doesn't sound like anything. I just knew it was him. I read the comments under this article. Most seem to suggest that millennial women have joined restrictive orders to escape having to work. They get a place to live. They get food to eat. Others suggest that women join comments because they're ugly. No one wants to have sex with them, so they choose to be sexless. I don't think these women want a free bed, and I don't think they are sexless. I think being a nun sounds impossibly difficult. And I think I heard. Every day I am forced to do what I am not good at. In 2019, the time this article was published, I had just finished my graduate degree and moved back into my mother's house in Southern California. I was working a punishing job as a silk dyer for a textile company. Graduate school had felt like a financial hostage situation for me, and most of my time was spent with my vision gradually narrowing into an anxious and terrified pinhole. I'd come home to recoup and try to allow my body to reform into something more person-shaped. That year, every day, 
I got up for work and I put on the same black linen dress and the same black linen apron and I went into work in a dark and crowded textile warehouse in suburban San Diego. I was alone except for the shipper and the cutter, both men who were not interested in talking to me and sometimes drank at work, which I found frightening. Sometimes the office girls would wander in and hand me an updated list of orders. Sometimes the designer would come in and give me directions that were actively obtuse and often physically impossible. The warehouse itself was either dangerously hot or freezing cold, giving me rashes and skin infections and dizzy spells. The machines I operated were set to around 400 degrees, and I was always soaked to the skin from rustling yards of wet silk. My arms were dyed blue up to the elbows, the designer's most popular color. I was never away from work long enough for it to fully wash away. After work, I returned directly to my mother's house. I slept upstairs in a space partitioned by heavy light-blocking curtains instead of doors. There wasn't an extra room, so space was cordoned off. (laughs) My mother, grandmother, and my mother's partner also lived in the house, along with two dogs and three cats. I think about that time, and I think about the Rilke line about a panther in a cage. It seems to him there are a thousand bars, and behind the bars, no world. Every day, I am forced to do what I am not good at. I was 29 then, too old I felt to be in such a weird and purposeless state of life, and I'm 33 now. I find myself again in my mother's house, so many things have happened between then and now. I lost my silk dyeing job to the COVID-19 pandemic and was unable to work anywhere else to preserve my grandmother's health. In 2021, my father died of covid I contracted pre-vax COVID that gave me brain damage and ate away at my joints at the same time I had to make all of the medical decisions for my father as he lay on life support. My cat died. My father's two closest friends died. My car, which had long been on its last legs, finally had to be hauled away, leaving me stranded. My hair fell out, partly from COVID, but also from the grief. I started a new full-time live-in teaching job that required more emotion and time than I had ever been asked for, and I moved. At Christmas, one of my students died. My mother moved, my sister moved, my grandmother moved. My mother and I worked through the contents of my late father's art studio, which had been hoarded from floor to ceiling. It took us almost a year to complete, and I would be physically sick every time. The studio's contents were baffling. He owned over 150 rulers, over 300 rolls of tape. He was a prodigious artist and made hundreds and hundreds of paintings, which I now have to care for. In 2022, I'd lost that job that I loved due to low enrollment from the pandemic and poor administration, and I had to move again. I applied to over 100 teaching jobs before I stopped counting and had fruitless interviews, both over the phone and in person. I was robbed (laughs) as I was moving and have not yet had the heart to unpack all of my boxes to see what I lost. I'm here in my mother's house and my things are packed away, are missing, and I am struggling every moment of every day. It's 2023 and I think I hurt. Every day I am forced to do what I am not good at.
in my clearer moments, I think, well, of course, it's the grief. It's all the grief. <laughs> That's what this is. And the grief is there and it's absolutely oppressive, but it doesn't feel how I thought it would feel. I'm grieving my father, who I miss terribly, whose death was very hard on me. Not only the fact of his death and the absence of him, but the process of making his medical decisions and calling to take him off life support, calling everyone he knew to tell him. I'm grieving a job that I loved that allowed me to love others in a way that was easy and uncomplicated and that did not hurt or ask anything of me. I'm grieving a life that I thought I could have, a career that has yet to manifest despite all my effort and all my hope. I'm grieving a life that was not defined by physical pain or by absence. I think the promise of the world has failed me and I don't know what I'm doing. I've performed all the tasks given to me to be successful and I'm at a total loss because the rules and circumstances of the world keep changing. I could not have braced for a pandemic, nor could I have braced for a body that doesn't work properly, nor could I brace for the toll the pandemic and COVID would have on my professional life. In Fairbanks' article, she quotes an American priest named Thomas Dubay. Dubay is the author of a book popular amongst novitiates called And You Are Christ's, The Charism of Virginity and the Celibate Life. Nothing is ever enough, Dubay writes, of how it feels to live in the modern world. You are expected to give yourself entirely 24-7 without wavering to careers, to hobbies, to lovers, to children. Ideally, you are supposed to spend zero time not loving your job in a dying industry, your husband who fails to absorb the concept of emotional labor. But this is impossible. And yet, Dubay explains there is one being who reliably rewards our efforts. Christ. The woman who loves him, the religious sister, has a calling worthy of her complete devotion. And he honors her sacrifices many times over, as the Book of Luke says. She has found her passion. She has rest, fulfillment, enthrallment, completion. Precisely the things Fairbanks writes that I, exhausted, have often wanted. I'm here in my mother's house again, and I can't get a footing. The ground keeps shifting underneath me. I can't work out the rules to the world anymore, if I ever could. And my body doesn't work the way I need it to work, and my grief keeps growing, limbs branching into other parts of my life. Where am I here? In this article about young women who have turned away from the world and towards God, towards someone or something that could not just fulfill them but tell them what to do. In this story, I am a nun and I want unnunning. I am unnunned and I want to be let inside. I want someone to tell me what to do. Everything already tells me what to do and I have never known what to do about it. I want a life that feels purposeful. My life feels purposeful, but the world stands in the way. I press my face to the bars on the outside. I press my face to the bars and look in. And behind the bars, no world. Here's how I feel. For the year after my father died, I was sad, but there was so much to do. The second year, there was nothing to do, and I cried, and I raged, and I raged, and I raged. I am faced with enormous problems, but they don't feel how I thought they would feel. I 
feel less like I have lost someone and more like someone ripped a log off a forest floor to reveal thousands of insects that lived in the dark. And each one of those insects is something I thought I had stopped being angry about 10 years ago or something I didn't even know I was hurt by or something I didn't realize was significant or as life altering as it was. And now, now everything is in the sunlight and insects that usually live in the dark are here and they don't have anywhere else to go. So I just have to sit with them and they don't start with my dad and they wouldn't be fixed if my dad was alive, but they're all here and it's getting a little out of hand. It is 2023. I am 33 years old. The same age as Jesus. <laughs> my body is different than I thought it would be. The world is different than I thought it would be. I turn away and towards the world. I hurt. Every day I am forced to do what I'm not good at. My name is Liz Hamilton. This is all miracles are strange. You can find me on social media under my name and you can contact me at allmiraclesarestrange at gmail.com. My theme song is an edited version of an 1888 recording of Handel's Israel in Egypt, one of the earliest known recordings of the human voice. If you'd like to read notes or see images from All Miracles Are Strange, you can sign up to my Substack, which is under my name. Um, and if you would like to support me and my work, including this podcast and my studio practice, you can find me on Patreon. Thank you.